Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, welcome. Here we go. Let me get my banner going here. Uh, While we wait for Crystal to come. I haven't heard from her. Her PR lady contacted her last night. She confirmed. So I'm keeping my uh, phone open here so I can see if there's a call that comes in that she can't get to the stream yard or an email because I sent two emails up before the show started. It's how the week's been, right? We started out Monday uh, rickety, you know, um, and now my headphones are being butt heads and they shouldn't. There's no reason to because I fixed all the cables. But, uh, we started the week out this, you know, we started the week out kind of weird and it's continuing apparently. Okay. First announcement. My name is Charlotte. That's a good announcement, isn't it? And I'm going to be your host for the next hour. We're going to talk about things. We were going to talk about angelic realms today or who's here. Jerry's here. Woohoo. Okay. Um, we're either going to talk about angelic realms today or we're going to talk about something that happened in a well in a, in a galaxy far away a long long time ago okay we'll discuss that because i have some interesting stuff i can tell you but um yeah hopefully crystal comes in you know hopefully we, we have a guest tonight if not you get to hear me but you know what i've been doing this long enough i can tell you stories till the cows come home not a problem but my name is Cheryl. And i'm gonna be your host for the next hour whether we have a guest or not <laughs> And I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. With 35 strong up and down the state. In fact, we have people almost in every every um, county that can come out and help you out. Okay? We're a nonprofit. We don't charge for our services. And I also have people in Oregon. Nobody don't have people in Oregon anymore. I have people in Washington, Hawaii, and Nevada that can come out and help you as well. Okay? If you're watching this from YouTube, because we're broadcasting live on Facebook, the website, YouTube, and Twitter. So we're broadcasting from all three of those, from all those places. Uh, if you're watching from YouTube, you can subs- go ahead and subscribe to the show. There's a little man down the corner, or a little ghost down the corner with a Sherlock Holmes hat. And a magnifying glass. And he, um, click on him and uh, that'll make you a subscriber and you'll get messages to uh, let you know when we have a new video out. You know, and they're not all going to be like this. It's not always going to be like this week. This has been, so far, we got one more show to do this week. It has been a bear. I don't know why, but for some reason, anything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And here we are, right? This started out, what, what was it? Thursday show, wasn't it? That uh, the guests had issues getting in get in the stream yard so it's been a cl- it's, it's, it's been a bit of a cluster but that's okay i can handle it. if you can handle it, if i can handle it you can handle it right uh <laughs> announcement we're going to be doing a ghost tour on march 26th ghost tours are fun it's not like you go in on these psychic walking tours it's nothing like that you get to go out and investigate with our investigators and our investigators will break you up into teams with them, and you get to go out and you get to use our equipment, and they will show you how to use it, 
how to do a proper investigation. That way, if you're a closet ghost hunter and you don't want to tell anybody that you're ghost hunting, hey, that's cool too. Because we can teach you how to do that, even on your own. Let me check my messages here. You can tell I'm distracted. See if I have any calls. No calls. That's not good. Anyway. Isn't isn't technology wonderful? But anyway, um, I think I've got my volume on too because you don't want to hear my like announcements coming through. Anyway, this thing is on the 26th. We don't know exactly. The hotel we had arranged uh, bumped us for something else, which is fine. Because, you know, they, they have to make their money, too. They don't make a lot of people like us going out there and poking around their, their place. So we're looking for another hotel. But, 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 but it's going to be, if it's a hotel, it's going to be in the California Gold Country. That's where we're going to be. And there's two or three or four or five hundred hotels out there. Also, if it's not a hotel, there's a special cemetery that we go to that nobody bothers us at. And, uh. We do a cemetery investigation, which is a completely different type of investigation than what we would do, obviously, inside. So either way, we're going off the 26th, and we want to take you with us. And it's a good chance for you to meet me, hang out with me. Want to hang out with me? I'm likable, right? Okay. Well, maybe not. But anyhow, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. And let's give her a couple more minutes. And what I'm going to do is... I'm going to talk about some stuff because a lot, a lot of people don't realize that California haunts wasn't always a paranormal investigation team. You think with a name like California haunts, that's, that, that's what we were doing, right? Uh, what we started out as was a television show. You believe that we were just the title of a television show way back when, and I think it was way back. Oh my gosh. Let's see. I've lost track. So I think it was around 2009, maybe 2008, maybe even sooner. We were a TV show, public access here in Sacramento and Woodland. And Auburn and different places like that. I was marketing as a public access. In fact, to give you an idea when we started, because I can't remember the exact dates because I'm old and senile now. We started at the same time ghost hunters started coming on the air. So we hit it when the main fat of ghost hunters hit. And we weren't investigating. I was working with another team in Sacramento at the time. And they were doing the primary investigating. We were filming them. So uh, that was the whole idea because I, I was taking lessons. I was working at the newspaper in Woodland and I was taking lessons because we were starting it was just at that point where things were changing at the news newspaper where, where people were going digital that's how long ago it was people hadn't gone digital yet to like post stuff you know videos and stuff online of happening you know happening events so i was i was overtaking classes I'm just looking here nope okay i'll have to let them know i will reschedule her if that's what it comes down to but we'll keep looking at email um, I don't know why people have some people have trouble with StreamYard. I don't know why, but they do. I think it's it might be their browser or whatever. Anyway, check this out. And I know there's people on my team that don't know I was doing this. And uh, so I was uh, I was taking lessons at the public access place. 
and I was watching everything, the cameras and, and the cameras that we were using at the time. I still use those cameras today on, with my paranormal team because they're they're, all, they're the only true Sony video cam, handheld video camera that has true night shot. This, these other ones aren't true night shot. Those first ones had true night shot. Infrared. So I got to thinking, you know, and plus my building where I was working used to sit. I think they've since moved. I'm not positive. I think they moved. It used to sit right next to one of the most haunted places in California, which is the Woodland Opera House. So, I mean, wow, it was right, you know, it was right in my backyard, literally. And the funny thing was it not only sat like by, you know, to the right of us was the Woodland Opera House. To the left of us was a company that arranged cremations. (laughs) So we were kind of in between this pocket of what could possibly you know cause ghostly activity plus woodland has its share of ghosts of haunted buildings okay so let's let's digress with this before we actually started filming the show okay i had a fascination with this stuff going back years and years i grew up in a haunted house my house is haunted it always has been always been active always in fact my dog is the other day i was watching tv and I saw a black tail go whipping through it, go whipping into my dining room. And I have a walker because I have trouble walking sometimes. So I do take a walker if I'm going to go long distance. And I had a bag sitting on top of the whopper, a walker, whopper. <laughs> and the tail flicked and it flicked with such an impact that the bag started moving. But I clearly saw a dog's butt. <laughs> And a tail go whipping by. Now I have another dog. And I thought, well, maybe it's her. But she was behind my couch. Right? So it was my deceased dog, more than likely, that I lost in that, that, that passed away in December. And she's been back a couple of times. Okay? You know, there's also friendly ghosts. You know, there's also, I mean, stuff has gone on in my house for a long time. I think because I'm sensitive. Even as a kid, I was sensitive. I saw things in my, I saw things in the dark, you know, lying in my, I had bunk beds. And I remember in the dark, I could see these, these dark hands reaching down from, from the top of the bunk bed. Or I'd see stuff like off to the side of me, you know, I was always seeing stuff, always as a kid. And as I got older, I would see more because once I got around the other paranormal group and the other psychics in the group, I think it brought out, you know, more of, my more, more more of the abilities that I, I I had like hidden all those years. So you know because as we grow up, we're <clears throat> excuse me, you know supposedly we're all born with psychic abilities, but then somewhere along the line, because we get busy doing other things in our lives, we suppress them, and sometimes it just takes certain events to bring those abilities back out of you. And I think that's what had happened to me. Okay. As I got older, and with the paranormal group that, that, that I was filming, and around their psychics, then they, my, my abilities started to come out more. But anyway, I'll digress. Okay. As I was growing, I remember like things like uh, my grandfather used to, we, we had these bar stools at our bar. It wasn't a real bar, it was a breakfast and nookie thing. It's still there. And the bar stools used to creak. And I remember that, distinctly remember that creaking. 
And so one night, because I used to work night shifts, so I was up like on my night, you know, because you get a night off, you can't go to sleep because you're used to being in that night shift. So I was up one night watching TV in what used to be our, what what, what was our den, which is now where I keep my cats <laughs> and my other stuff. And I could hear the bar stools creaking like somebody was sitting on them and moving around on them. Which I thought was creepy back then because I didn't—I wasn't a ghost hunter then, you know. Things like the TV would turn turn on and off by itself. Things like that would happen in, in in my house, especially when I was home. I remember coming home one time from school because I was a latchkey kid. I came home one night or one afternoon, made myself a little food, sat up on the same bar, looking into my house, and I saw something go from my fireplace to my divider but it was white it wasn't you know it wasn't anything dark it was it was just something flew across and this is like three o'clock in the afternoon so you're not going to get headlights or anything coming through and then a couple years later i saw the same thing went back the other way that's another thing that happened in my house so fast forward to working at the Woodland Paper and near the Woodland Opera House. And I used to have, before I started, you know, filming and doing all this stuff, I used to have really creepy feelings at the at the Opera House. And, you know, because the parking lot was right in front of it, right on the side of the Opera House. That was also their parking lot. And so when I would go out, I would always get creepy feelings like somebody was staring at me from the windows of the Opera House. Really uneasy feelings. And so I found myself, especially at night, I would run out to the car and jump in the car and take off and go home. It was really unnerving and creepy. So I decided to do, because I had done the Psychic Cemetery tours before here in Sacramento. We have a, we, we have an old, what we call the Old City Cemetery, very, very active. It's not as old as anything in New Orleans or anything like that, but it's an old cemetery. Very, very active. So I did that a couple of times with Nancy Matt. You know, got some cool photos, you know. Um, again, it's before, you know, when I was in college is when I started getting more into this. So I started working with infrared film, which is really, um, if you're using an SLR camera or an old SLR, we're not talking like digital camera, but a manual camera like that. It's very complicated to use because you have to, uh, it's so sensitive, you can't load it like, in a regular darkroom situation, it has to be pitch black to load the film. And a lot of the times when you bring it out, you're disappointed because it's got fingerprints all over it because you're trying to get it on the, the, the old style camera, you know, with, with the film you know, on the reel and all that to get it into your camera. Then you have to put a, real, a dark red filter on the front of the camera. And then you have to shoot it with a shoot with a real bright flash. The problem you run into, you go out to shoot with this with this setup, is that when you're looking through the viewfinder at what you're shooting, you can't you can't focus because you can't see because it's dark red. So what I would do was I would do my focusing before I before I advance the film. Or I mean, I would advance the film, then I would focus, and then put the filter on to take the picture. Did I pick up anything? Yes, I did. It's on our website. Nancy Matz is standing at a 
the, 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 the uh, Nancy Matz is standing at the Mary Woolsey grave. And she's talking about Mary Woolsey sitting right on the end, end of the grave. And she says she has a hat on and pearls. Well, if you look at the photo, there's something there that has a hat on and pearls. So, you know, that was one of my, that, that was my first paranormal photo. You'd think at my house I would get something, but no. I won't shoot photos at my house. I won't do video. I won't do anything like that at my house. I won't do EVP either. I don't I don't want to know. I, I know they're here. I don't want I don't want to hear them. I, I I don't care. Just leave me alone. I know my, my saying at my house is I know you're here. You know I know you're here. Don't scare me. That's my saying at my house. Yeah. Okay. So we're just gonna continue with this. Anyway. So I started back then doing those tours. When I was working at the newspaper, of course, I thought it would be a hoot because we were next to the haunted Willow Opera House, of course. So, of course, I thought it would be a hoot to do a, a uh, feature thing on haunted, thing, you know, haunt, haunted buildings in Woodland. So the editor agreed. So I did, you know, I went over to the opera house with the photographer. We did some stuff over there. And then there was another building across the way that was, I believe at the time, a bakery. Went over there. And the reports over there had, we'll talk about the opera house in a second, because we're going to come back to that. <laughs> the reports over there was that they would get up in the morning and they would find flour like strewn all over the floors. Things like that, right? You know, and they'd find, they'd find dishes moved around and stuff and stuff like that. So I go over there. And, you know, I was like anybody else. I went to see Poltergeist, all those movies. That's all I knew about ghost hunting. Besides In Search Of and, you know, all that. So I go over there and um, I'm walking around and I'm talking to the ghost. You know, hey, I'm here. This is what I'm here for. I'm going I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to write about you and blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, yeah. And I started to feel a hot spot that would move in the building. So being d young and dumb and stupid, I followed the hot spot around the building and I was real, I was hot on this tail walk, you know, walking around. So the photographer goes downstairs because, you know, like it's like any old town, you know, flooding and all that. Or even like, you know, a lot of those places have basements because they had like tunnels underneath and all this going on, you know, because the men would want to go see the ladies of the night and all this. Woodland's no different. These older buildings. And he went downstairs to take some photos and every photo he took was out of focus. He couldn't get one in focus downstairs. So I'm talking to the people upstairs, just kind of, just having a conversation with them. And there's a clock on the wall about maybe 20 feet away from me, and a big round, you know, big round clock, like, like you'd find in any business. And as I'm talking to them, the clock falls right off the wall. And they looked at me, and I looked at them, and I just, it was like that scene in Poltergeist. Remember, I'm new with this stuff, right? So it was, that, it was like that scene in Poltergeist. Where you see her, you know, where, where they're sitting there after they see what's actually in the house, and they and they've got the teacups, and all of a sudden their hands are like this. That was me. I looked at them, I looked at the people, and I said, "Well, that's that's going to cover it for the story. I'm good." Got the message. So I did that. Went to the another team was going to the Woodland Opera House, so I went with them and covered their investigation there. And I walk in, and Jason Lindo, who's a really good friend of mine, and would be a would be a friend of mine in the future, looked at me and said, "You're sensitive, aren't you?" And I thought, oh, "I guess I am." It never occurred to me that 
that I'm a sensitive. So we did that, did think, went out to the city old city cemetery, did that story. So we did a whole, you know, a whole layout. In the meantime, I'm really curious about all this. So at this point, I've decided I wanted to become a paranormal investigator. But I didn't know how I wanted to do it. So now came the opportunity to go to the public access place, learn how to use these video cameras and stuff, because I've always been interested in that stuff. So I thought, you know what? Why don't we film a local paranormal show, TV show? So I trained for all that, and I didn't even have my own cameras. I was borrowing their cameras. First place we went was the Woman Opera House. I hooked up with a, with a um, local paranormal team in Sacramento, went to the Woman Opera House, filmed there. In fact, I ended up buying, like, mics, you know, wireless mics and stuff. And some of the mics, <laughs> there's funny, there's some great stories about that, too. We've come a long way. Some of the mics, you know, um, were wireless, and some actually had, like, long cords on them, like like 20, like 20, 20, 30 foot cords on them. So the wireless mics is what we were using that night or, or, or that filming. And we filmed and it went really well. Released the video, did that. Continued this and kept filming at different locations and, and stuff around California. You know, like a must, like, like we were up in, in the gold country at Hotel Leger, you know, different, um, the Ion Hotel, different places like that. You know, we were doing all this filming. So, like anything else, uh, you know, while we're doing this, my abilities are starting to grow and increase. And I'm going to give up hope on this, so that's it. I'm going to go no more. And I noticed weird things. I would go to meetings with the team, and all the psychics were there. And I, you know, because I carry, because being a reporter, you you know, you carry flashlights, you carry different things in your car, because you don't know when you're going to get called on the story. So I had these flashlights in my car, and when I would be driving home, the lights would cut, the flashlights would come on by themselves. And it would freak me out, you know, it's dark outside, and you're, you're, and you're cruising away down the street, and all of a sudden, boom, there's, there's a flashlight on. So I would call and they would laugh at me and go, yeah, ha, 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 you're sensitive, it's going to happen. This went on for a while. Then it got to the point where I could hear people, their thoughts before they spoke. You know, real weird stuff like that. So as time progressed, you know, they went their way, I went my way. And then I thought, well, I kind of like investigating. I like the whole idea of it. So I made a pact to um, start my own team. But before, before I did that, okay, I want to talk about some of the evidence that, 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 that was obtained during the filming of the show. Because, I mean, we got some really, really good stuff. And by the way, the name of the show was the California Haunts TV show. Um, the Woodland Opera House. Okay. The giddy kids that we are. Went in one day. Went to unpack our equipment. Everybody was going in. There were two of us standing. Two or three of us standing at the top. Well, not the top tier, but when you go in the opera house, it's, it's kind of like going into any arena. You're not at the top, but you're on the like the like the second tier, you know, the, the nearest tier to go to the top. And so you walk in, and as you look, you're looking down, you know, on the room, and the psychic standing next to me. And she starts snapping pictures. Okay. You know, just like 
you go in, just like any ghost team, the first thing you do when you go into a building, you start snapping pictures. And she did. And so, you know, we did the investigation. You know, a few things, a few different things happened during the, during the investigation. You know, I even picked up, you know, on the film one, I was able to pick up some, um, it, it, we were down in the basement of the opera house and, and the psychic was standing there looking down the floor going, oh, they're right there. There's a bunch of them at my feet talking to me. And so I snapped a picture. And if you get on our website, you can see it. I got what they call an ethereal stream where you can see it going around her feet, right, 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 right where she pointed. It, they're just right there. Um, while we were upstairs on the uh, mezzanine, the, the balcony mezzanine area, a pearl dropped out of the sky. There were no pearls around. Just out of nowhere, this pearl. And you could hear it drop and it rolled. And we all looked at each other and we went, wow, there's a pearl somewhere. Um, when we were shooting... They put a shawl around the psychic. And there's one particular ghost, Madame Macheska, Polish opera singer. She haunts, um, they see her at different theaters around California. And she was there. So Sabrina was channeling her. And Sabrina looked at me and said, take a picture right here. She's in front of my face. If you look at the footage, there's, there's white blotches in front of her face where she told me to take the picture. There's also, I don't think they're on my website, but there's also pictures where um, I took where it looks like there's flame. Because there was, a, like, like like every old town, woodland burned. So there's these pictures that look like flames. You see the seats that are curving around, and you look off to the left is where I took the photo, and it looks, and they actually look like orange flame. The reflection of flame, you know, on, on, on the stuff, on the wall. Um, the fireman was killed there. He was crushed. He was down. I believe I, I think he was up from what I got from the psychics. He was up on that balcony area and then the roof came down and then he got shoved down in the basement. He haunts the building. You'll get EVPs from him. The people that caused the fire. What happened was is to, is to stop the flames from spreading. The, the fire department went through and locked all the doors of all the buildings on Main Street. The problem is they didn't realize this, this volunteer fireman was in the building. But he got trapped. But instead of doing that, so did the guys that set the fire. So not only is the gentleman that, you know, the, the fireman stuck in there, the gentleman that set the fire is there. The two gentlemen. So they're, at, they're kind of like, we've done EVP sessions up on that second tier balcony where we're talking to him, you know, trying to get him to cross or whatever or whatever. He won't go until they go because he's he wants to torment them and they won't go because they're afraid. Because they started a fire that burned down all of Main Street. So they're afraid. Plus the kid, plus the fire killed him. So they're kind of at odds. And one of the interesting thing about that is that. There was another video crew shooting us from the other side of the mezzanine. The, the auditorium and they caught while we were having this discussion they caught red and green orbs above our head kind of like not so much or orbs and kind of like what looked like like what would be considered moths but they weren't you know there was just flashes of red and green which was probably them 
I went ahead when I was taking photos around the building with my camera. I caught down the seats. I caught splotches that were running green down in the seat areas. You know, on, 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 on the main floor. I also was up on the stage, the main stage, shooting backwards into the auditorium. And I caught um, a green mist that was moving among the, among the audience area down there. And I, those, shot, those shots are on the CaliforniaHaunts.org website. And you can clearly see these things, this thing moving around from where I was standing. Now, for you stage buffs, that would be, I was standing at stage. <laughs> I was in the middle of the stage. We'll just say that. I don't want to get the stage left, stage right stuff. But, you know, there's definitely a green mist moving around. You could see it. And a sequence of like four photos. So we all go home. Because we went like two or three times. Not so much filming, but we just kept going back because we liked the place so much, right? Anyway, I'm talking about, the, you know, the, getting back to walking in and the psychic who was there taking the photo. It's actually published in a book because she calls me excited at 11 o'clock at night. Because she caught an apparition. And it looks like somebody walking down the center aisle of the Woodland Opera House. Even looks like they have sandals on. I was standing there. Nothing was there. We even tried to, you know, they even went in, the, the, the debunker from the team even went in to try to reproduce it and couldn't reproduce it. But it's there on the photo. Now, we talked a little bit about apparitions and, and how they could, you know, a couple, what, a couple shows ago about how they can affect cameras. And I talked about the what happened to me at the Hotel Leger when something came down the hallway and it blurred up my camera. As time went on after I wasn't filming for California Haunts anymore. I went ahead and bought those cameras because those at that time, those were the broadcast quality cameras because the public access stations were using them, right? So I have, I still have them. I have three of them. And so those are what I film my own team with and those are what, you know, I, I take with me now. I go to the Sacramento Theater Company and this is with my own team to do some exterior filming and no i think i was with them i take it back i was filming exterior shots and um while i'm filming the exterior shots i see a blurry mass out in front it's appearing to me like out in front of the building and on top of the building of all things and so i go in and report you know hey this is going on with my camera and so one of the employees says, oh, yeah, there's somebody out there that, that, that taps people on the shoulder and stuff. So I picked up another one. Um, while filming there, Karen Clark was still new on the team. <laughs> and I'm following her because she was one of, the <clears throat> one of the lead psychics for the investigation. But she was very excitable at that time. And um, she scared the hell out of me. 
The place is reportedly haunted by a ghost named Pinky, who is a cross-dressing Hungarian actress, actor, who likes to wear high heels. So they report hearing these high heels clicking and clanging along the stage or, you know, the back areas of the building. And sometimes Pinky will appear as a pink orb, is what they see. So we're walking. So there's two... There's the main stage, and then there's a smaller stage. So we're in the smaller stage area. And we're walking. It's dark, like all the other investigations we do. And Karen goes, oh, my God, did you see that? I jumped like 10 feet. She saw a pink orb go by. Okay? Other things that happened. We go upstairs. And it's got it. it, Okay. Sacramento. This, this is like in August. Sacramento is hell on earth. It's hell on earth because we reach temperatures of 110 to 115 degrees in the summer. It is hell on earth. This is one of those days. No breeze. Hotter than Hades. We're upstairs. Left the door open. And these doors, because it's a stage... They're very thick because they don't want any sound coming in. Okay? So these things are very thick. They're steel doors. Kind of like the ones in school, right? Only only they're like three times as thick. We go up there, prop the door open, and this is where they do all the sewing for the... They do all their costume uh, sewing and all that stuff up there. We get up there. And I'm standing in the back filming. Psychic is up front doing her, you know, doing her thing. And I hear footsteps come up behind me. And I turn. There's a loft at the very end of this one area where it's the sound, it's the sound loft. Okay. No one's over there. And I hear these heavy footsteps. And the kicker part of it was with the footsteps. Whoever it was was wearing a set of keys because every time they stepped down, you could hear the keys clang. And I'm looking over there and there's no one there. I didn't say anything. You're investigating. The idea is to keep your mouth shut and see if somebody else experiments it. So I move up forward where the psychic is. And then Janelle from the team is standing over there where I was. So I start watching her. And all of a sudden, I see her look over to the left. And then she's looking back at me. And then she's looking over the left. She heard the same thing I did. Every footfall, you could hear these keys, like like it was a janitor or somebody walking through there. Same night, same area. They have a closet with all these mannequins where they, you know, of course, where they're fitting the costumes on to make them. Open the closet door. All the mannequins are moving. But not just moving. They're doing this. So you've got one mannequin going this way, another mannequin going this way. Could it have been an earthquake? Yeah, Sacramento's earthquake country. So you kind of debunk that. But we we all saw it. There were like 25 mannequins in this thing doing the dance, right? That was another thing that happened. Later on, Karen Clark and I decided to go back up there. I'm filming. They have boxes up on the, there's, there's like this long hall. There's like this, this I don't know, I would say long hall, but a hall with boxes stacked up on either side on these shelves. 
we go in there as we're walking, the shelves are moving one by one. Like there's something behind the shelves pushing these boxes forward. Not only were they moving forward, they were moving back too. They would go, floop, floop, and they would just, you know. Now, if there's a rat back there, rat's not going to move the box back. Rat's going to move the box forward as it goes behind. Unless the shelf is, is tipped. Then maybe, you know, at an angle, and then, of course, the box would slide back into place. But they weren't. We checked. So, um, that happened there while we were there. Did we get any good EVPs? We didn't get anything, at least not on my cameras. But I mean, we <laughs> more than enough happened, you know, to to know that <laughs> there's definitely activity there. Definitely activity. Um, Hotel Leger went up there with it with that team while we were filming. Wow, we talked about a little bit about that the other night, you know, about the thing coming down, whatever it was coming down the hallway, the woman coming down the hallway, you know, and my camera got blurry. And we talked about the tripod that got knocked down the hall, you know, on the psychic that would go forward and back. The whole town of McCollumie Hill, active. See, especially that part. We decided to go to the cemetery that night. It was funny because we were walking with, with one of the psychics and she was laughing because the ladies of the night were all out. I guess they were out trying to hit on their cowboys, right? She said they they all had their legs over the, you know, over the fences and, so, you know, the, the not the fences, but the railings and stuff like that. That's another active hotel. Murphy's Hotel. We get lots of evidence there. We go there a lot. You know? But then, like I said, I broke off on my own. And then we simply became the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. And started doing old hotels. And different things. First first investigation we did as a team. And I'm trying to remember whether it was a... Yeah. First investigation we did as a team was at the Moss Beach Distillery. Did that one. Had some guest people come in from other teams because we were too new at it. We were training. Learned, you know, learned from them. Then we started going to our own, going to Murphy's and going to these, uh, you know, different hotels and stuff to get our feet wet and learn how to do a proper investigation. But with Murphy's Hotel, we have gotten so much evidence, so much, you know, so much good stuff. It's so active. In fact, they, um, they remodeled it the last couple of years, the last few years. We got in after a remodel. When I told you guys the other night about the incident with Jose, you know, with something taking something coming into his body, that was after the first remodel they did. And I know they've done more remodeling since then. So I'm I'm literally chomping at the bit to get in there, you know, to do stuff. Um Probably one of the most active places, I think, you know, between Murphy's Hotel and the Woodland Opera House, I think, are, are probably the most active, active, active places you can go. You know, as far as, and what's cool about like Murphy's now is, is, is the ghosts do, you know, recognize you after a while. Let me double check, make sure she's not texting or anything. But the ghosts do um, recognize you after a while. 
Yeah, no call, no mail. You didn't write. I'll let her PR later tomorrow. Um, so they get to where they recognize you too. And like Karen, you know, had a rapport going with uh, one guy named John at the Murphy's Hotel. And um, he would talk to her all the time. I mean, she'd, she'd ask for him directly in the EVPs. And yeah, he'd, he'd ask her directly. In fact, he freaked me out one night because we were doing a conference. Because we've done like three conferences at that hotel. And uh, he actually sounded like her husband. And I thought that something weird, yeah, something bad had happened to her husband. So I had her call him at like three in the morning. And I said, oh my God, this sounds like, this sounds like your husband. But they're habit adventures. And I can tell you, you know, you watch these programs on TV, you know, filming for Paranormal. And I don't know if it happens to them like it did with us, because maybe because I'm sensitive and I'm behind the camera. But, like, I would say a good 60% of the footage was trash. Because everything would go blurry all the time. And that's why, that's the other reason why I call those Sony cameras that we use ghost detectors. Because they do pick up Paranormal activity and, and they go blurry. When there's something either when there's something in front of you, every time they will. Sometimes it's cool because then you know then you know something is there, but sometimes it gets irritating because you're trying to film for like like we were for a TV for for even a, a hour TV show, or a half hour TV show, and you can't get enough footage to film with because they can't you know they keep messing with your camera. I watched um, you talk about battery drain on investigations. Those cameras, it's hilarious because I have um, four-hour batteries on those cameras. I mean, I have big battery packs on them. But you can watch it when, you, when I'm filming and they start to mess with the camera. The battery power will go to half. It'll go to half and start going, going down below that. So then you have to ask them nicely not to do that. Otherwise, you won't have any battery power left in the camera. But they do it. You know, and it's weird because you'll see it go down, and then if if you you know, you ask nicely for them to put the camera power back up, and they do, all of a sudden the camera, all of a sudden you see the the meter goes right up. But they will drain the camera, and you can see it. Um, it's it's it, it, it's it's fun to film, but on the other hand, there's you know there's there's a lot of pitfalls doing it. Just like for every five minutes of of film, you know, of, of stuff you put out there for a TV show, you probably need to film, have at least an hour's worth of footage to cover that five minutes. You'd be surprised how much how much you have to film, you know, how much film it takes to do a TV show. And then you're in the editing room, you know, and that's not including. You know, you're going to go over, you're going to have the EVP stuff you have to go over. And then, you know, you get to the point where your your camera is picking up because, let's face it, frequencies. It's all about frequencies with whatever you're picking up out in the field. So your digital voice recorders, like if somebody has a Sony recorder, somebody has an Olympus recorder, somebody's got some other brand of recorder, they're all going to pick up different frequencies. Just like your iPhone. Or yourself, you know, whether, well, not so much an iPhone, you know, iPhone, Android, whatever you're using, whatever your preference. If there's a mic on there, 
that's going to pick up different frequencies than your digital voice recorders. And then if you're shooting with a visual, with a video camera, depending on the mics you use, those are going to pick up different frequencies. So when you go, when they go back, good gear, very good. We'll talk about those in a second, Jennifer. So when you go back home, or you go back to the editing room, or whoever does your editing, they have to take all that with them, right? So, is, you know, instead of doing it like you think they do on TV, oh, here's my recorder. They're, you know, you're looking at like four or five different forms of audio that you have to download into your computer to analyze because everything picks up a different frequency. So it, it, it's more involved than people think it is. You know, those guys go in, what, after, after you know, you, you see them analyzing all the data and, you know, the next thing you know, they're, they're back at the building. Sir, you, you do have something going on, blah, 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 blah. But what people don't realize is that, you know, because when we go out on, on residential investigations, you know, we're expected to turn that stuff around as quickly as possible, you know, the, the results as quickly as possible. The problem is if you have a six-bedroom house, you know, six-room house, and you're running six video cameras, you know, six DVR cameras, and you're there for, say, um, eight hours. Six times eight, you've got 48 hours of video you have to go through and look camera by camera. So each one of those cameras, you're going to analyze eight hours apiece, right? So that's 48 hours right there. Now, add in handheld video cameras, and in digital voice records. Now, what I do too, as a backup, is I will take my Sony video recorders and I tape them to the walls of the rooms. Okay, and as a safeguard, I will tape them in front of the camera so you can tell nobody's messed with them, right? Because sometimes the ghosts don't want to cooperate and talk to you directly, but they'll wait till you leave the room. So I have mine running constantly. So I've got the video footage. I've got the audio from the video. I've got eight hours of stuff on my Sony video recorders. I've got whatever audio the team got to go over. I've got the audios on this, on this, you know, when we do use the cell phones occasionally, I've got the audios from the audio from the cell phone that we're going over too. So it takes forever. Go figure, right? So add it up. You know, you got the 48 hours from filming and that's just with the dvr whatever you've got on your video cameras maybe maybe you'll have three hours on your video camera four hours because you're you know starting stopping those right because they're handheld and then whatever you have on the digital voice recorders so it could take anywhere upwards from a week to two weeks to get through stuff it just depends you know on how much footage you have now if you go to an old hotel and maybe you do a two or three day run there it's going to take a heck of a lot longer because you're because you've got three days worth, you know, three three days worth of eight hours, you know, 48 hour stuff. So it takes a long time to get through this stuff. And then when you start getting stuff, this is where the team kicks in. We have paperwork the team fills out because I have to cross check. You know, anything that we get, if it's a knock or whatever, we have to know where everybody's at, what everybody's doing at that time. So I have to cross-check all that. So it takes forever to get through this evidence. Everything has to be cross-checked. Now, 
as far as my team goes, when we do audio stuff, I have a copy of everybody's voice on my for my Adobe Audition. So if I hear a whisper or something in the background, I will compare it to the team members' voices to see, you know, if it's possibly one of them making the, you know, making the voice. Because nine times out of ten, you will ask the team, "Hey, did you did, did you say something here?" And somebody will go, "No, I did not." Okay. Nine times out of ten, what you're supposed to do, proper protocol, is that if you make a noise, if your stomach growls, if if something happens to during that EVP session, you're supposed to know it on tape. Hey, this is Charlotte. My stomach just growled. Or anything embarrassing, right? Any embarrassing noises. This is Charlotte. I just grunted. I just breathed. I just wiped my nose. Whatever. Whatever's gonna, whatever you think is going to be picked up on the recorder, you have to let the recorder know that it's doing it. Now, Jennifer just asked me about full-spectrum cameras. Yeah, I love full-spectrum cameras. Love them. <laughs> yeah, I love full-spectrum cameras. I think they're terrific. Full-spectrum cameras augment what infrared cameras do. Absolutely. They're a main tour, a tool, tour. Oh, I got tours on my mind. They're a main tool for the investigator. But a lot goes on. So, yeah, you got to gather that and just, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the TV show. You know, I'm talking about that's just a regular investigation without putting in the fact that you filmed a TV show, too. Okay? When you're filming a TV show, you got, and let's say yourself doing it, you don't, you don't have a production company doing it. Remember, they're, they're on a schedule. So if you're working with a production company, they want you to do that stuff, you know, whip off the stuff, whip it out, whip it out, whip it out, because this has to, we have to be on this schedule. Okay? So you're trying to crank the stuff out. If you're doing it yourself like we were doing it, you not only have the editing to do, but you want to do a good job because it's your reputation on the line because you're building up the reputation of your team. So you've got all that stuff to go, all that evidence to go through for your team, and then you've got the video, you've got the the video you shot for the TV, you know, for the TV show that you're filming to go through, you know, to deal with too. So it's a really long drawn out process. People don't realize what the process is, you know, for filming like that. But that's what we did. We did that for two or three years. We filmed the California Haunts TV show. And once in a while, I think it's hilarious because I'll be sitting home on Halloween and we'll pop up on public access. I was sitting home a couple a couple years ago and just watching something on you know on the public access channel and I thought, hey, that's us. And it was us at, at um at Iceland skating rink. You know? So it's kind of crazy to see us. But, I mean, we did do that at first. And then, like I said, you know, you, everybody got their own thing going, so I decided to start my own team. You know, just, just take California Haunts TV show and become a team. Sometimes... Multiple people do go through stuff, but sometimes there's one person on the team that has a better ear than others for EVP work. And so more often than not, that person gets the EVP, gets the majority of the work. Like you might have somebody that's better 
at processing video than others. So that person might get, you know, all that all the video work. But it still, no matter who gets it, it still has to go through others to cross-verify. So there's still that process that has to go on. I tend to do all the most of the EVP work on my team. I have a really good ear for it. You know? Um, but it does, even after I get the EVPs, I'll send it off to my team members and see what they think. Do you think it was a human voice? Do you, you know, do you think it was this? Do you think it was that? Because I want to cross-verify everything. In fact, to be perfectly honest, I just don't put out, you know, we just don't put out EVPs on this team. When we do this, we have three ways of doing it. I mean, if we usually we're using dowsing rods. So if we get a yes on the dowsing rod and we get an affirmative answer on an EVP, then we might put the thing out. But usually we require two to three sources of information before we will okay okay that stuff and that's not including um putting that evidence out to other members of the team for them to listen and for to hear what they think before we, we present anything or or to know what they see photo wise or anything else like that very very or very stickler that's why you won't see a lot of photo evidence with this team because we're very anal about what we put out there very anal you know, it takes a lot to put it out. Now, the shot that I have from the Woodland Opera House that Jose got when Channel 10 went, or when, when, when um, one of the local newspapers went out there with us, that was pretty cool. Because I was sitting up there, so I know nothing was there. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. I'll have to put, I'll have to fix it so we can show it up here one day. Um... Yes, it's a long process. With that shot, uh, we were up on the balcony because we were setting up the cameras, and we put the command center up on the up on the balcony area of the opera house facing the stage. And so I was sitting there, and Jose came in behind me. Well, I wasn't sitting there at that point, but I was like off to the left, and Jose came in and started taking pictures of the of the command center. Whoa! Look, an orb. No, it's a fly. But Jose came and started taking pictures of the command center. And off to the right, he took four pictures. And on the, on, on the second photo, a little boy and girl showed up. Which was really cool. And then when you look at the third, third and fourth photo, they're not there. So you never know. You know, you never know what you're going to get even taking random photos. When you're out. But like I said, it takes a long time to get through the stuff. People don't realize just just what goes into it, you know? And, you know, and people when they do get apparition photos, they're 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 so adamant about what's in the photo and then it's it's hard sometimes to say, Hey, you know, this isn't what it is, this is something else. That even happens to me. I'll you know, I'll take a photo and I'll think I got something really cool. And I get all excited, so I send it off to my team members and Mighty bunkers will shoot it down, and then I get frustrated, and you know it's just it's it's like a big, it's like somebody took a balloon and popped it, right? But I mean that's the safeguard you have to have with stuff. Just like we were at uh, in Colombia, we were at the Fallon Hotel, and you know the whole thing with the flashlights. A lot of people are down on the on those flat on on those um on those flashlights that that you know you, you can get 
the flashing answers and all that. I take it one step further. I told you guys the other night, I like to do things that are like off the, the, that are off the charts when, when I do this for verification. So what I do, instead of using one flashlight, I'll use three. And I'll put them at different parts of the room, different places in the room. And in this case, that's what I did. And so we were getting yes and no answers. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want some answers. And I got these three flashlights are sitting here. You can communicate with me. The one on the the one over on the counter is going to be yes. The one over at the you know over by the window is going to be no. And the one over by the door is going to be maybe. And that's what we did. I asked questions that way while I was doing a doubting session. And what was interesting is during this doubting session, the ghost was moving around to the three different flashlights for different answers. And we were able to verify the answers with the dowsing, not only that, you know, with the dowsing rods and via the EVPs. So, you know, there's different ways to do stuff to do a fail-safe with these investigations. I like to think out of the box. So that's what I do. You know, I'm going to set up three or four flashlights. You know? But uh, it's just stuff like that. But, I mean... The more equipment you use, the more you, the more paperwork you have to do to ensure that that you've got all the controls in place for the investigation. You're a scientist when you're out in the field, so you have to have those controls. Otherwise, you just chuck the stuff out. The Sequoia, one of our other favorite places to go up in Placerville. It's hard to get in there now because a big company owns it. And so they like to do what Wedgwood owns it. And they, I'm not, I don't think they're too thrilled about thinking about ghosts in there because they want to have these beautiful weddings in the place. But we used to get in there all the time. And one of these times, you know, one, one, of, the, one of the things with that is that Mrs. B, who was one of the original owners of the house, likes to hang out in the building. And she likes to hang out in the women's restroom. Okay. Now, that wasn't always the women's restroom. That was the front porch. They had a swing there where the family would go out and have their lemonade in the summers, you know, and all that stuff. Just like on the Waltons, things like that. But she's still there. She's actually all over the building, but she likes to hang out in there. Her thing is, is that I don't know if she had a thing about, like, um, maybe her, I'm not going to cut anybody. You know, the men, the gentlemen had a gentleman's club that would come and spend time there. Let's just put it that way. And so I think she's got a thing about women putting makeup on. Because one of the big reports is that women that are primping in the mirror in the bathroom will see her appear in the mirror while they're primping, you know, putting their makeup on. So we're there one night, Janelle again. And uh, she goes in the bathroom to clean up, you know, use the facilities, maybe she, Maybe she was brushing her hair or doing something. She came out. Her face was white as a sheet. And I said, what happened? She says, I saw her. And I said, you saw who? I asked her, you saw who? She said, the woman. I, I saw B. I, I saw the woman. So Janelle actually witnessed Mrs. B in the mirror. Which is kind of cool. Which is what, you know. Um. Same bathroom. I have footage, I have pictures of this on the website. We're in there doing, we were in there with Channel 10. 
and it was during the day. Ghosts come during the day too, guys. And I had the, a thermal imaging camera, and we had all the heat was off. Everything, all the blowers were off in the building, and the at that time the bathroom stalls were all wooden. And I'm sitting on the floor. Karen Clark is sitting on the floor, and she's doing an EVP session. She's got the dowsing rods, and as she's doing her EVP session, I'm noticing, you know, with the with, with the thermal imaging camera, that there's some kind of heat source trying trying to appear above her. So I took like 30 photos in a row with that camera. And you could see this thing, it started out small and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it got to a crescendo and started to recede down. At the same time, we picked up one of the most incredible EVPs we've ever gotten on this team. And it was somebody saying, I can't breathe. Did some research, talked with the owners of the building, found out that, again, that was not a bathroom at one time. That was part of the outside of the house. And somebody was hung in a tree there. So was this the man that we picked up? Who knows? Picked up somebody else in that bathroom. A woman. During the dowsing rod section, the woman told told us that she was buried over the cemetery across the way. She even gave us a first a first name. Okay. So we go. So I, I asked her. I said, "Well, if we put everything away, and I take the dowsing rods, and we go over to the cemetery, we, will you lead me to your grave?" Rods crossed. Yeah. So we pack everything up, grab the video camera, go over to the cemetery. I'm walking through the cemetery with someone filming me. And we get led to this grave with this name on there. Write down the name. Go back in the building. Talk with the manager. Manager says it was an employee that worked there way back in the 1800s. You never know, right? You never know what's going to happen. So it's stuff like that you run into on the investigations. You know? And, um, I mean, it wouldn't, have been, <clears throat> it wouldn't have been anything if we hadn't gotten the name and been able to verify everything with the manager of the building, right? But it's stuff like that. So, you know, there's been some interesting experiences out there. And uh, I'm looking forward now that COVID's done. I'm looking forward to this thing on the 26th because I want to get out and do some investigating. I love doing commercial investigating. I love going out to the old hotels. I love the history of the old hotels. I love doing that stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, guys, we're not going to have a show tomorrow because the guests can't come on till Friday. I'm ready too, Jerry. I'm telling you. The guests can't come on till Friday. So we're going to have a show on Friday and not tomorrow. But it's going to be a cool show. He was on California Haunts Radio when we were on Block Talk. It's Ron Moorhead. I don't know if you know who that is. He's famous for what they call the Sierra Sounds. He was the first one to pick up. God, my nose and stuff. He was the first one to pick up the alleged voice of, of Bigfoot. And so we're going to be hearing those and hear about the update for it because he's been going up. He's been going up. It's up by Sonora, somewhere near that area. And he's been going up there for years. But they made, you know, the. 
forestry, I think, has gone and has since gone in because there used to be like a place where he used to go a secret place where, where they could actually hide. But I think um, if I understand like a TV thing I saw a couple months ago, uh, the forestry went in and, and tore that down. So I'm curious to see what the update is about the area that he goes into. But I will have, um, in fact, I got to listen to my old show to even get the uh, vocalizations to record them. So I'll be doing that tonight, tonight, and tomorrow. But we actually have, you know, copies of, of, of the voices for you to hear. And it's not what you expect. Okay? So I'm just saying. So I will be back here at 6.30 on Friday to do that show. Um, I'll try and see what happened with Crystal. We'll try and get her back on. Probably not until April, but we'll see if we get her back on. But I'm sorry. The guest uh, didn't make it in tonight, unfortunately. Maybe she couldn't get into you know, get, get in the stream yard for some reason. We'll find out, find out. But I want to thank you guys for coming and uh, check us out at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. All our shows are there in the archives. Uh, you can also access YouTube from there. And, you know, just click on the video that's on the front page there and pop right into YouTube. And now uh, you can see all of our videos. We've got over two, more than 200 videos over there. Check those out. If you didn't get a chance to subscribe, please do. All the shows aren't like this. We do have guests. So click on that little ghost guy. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you didn't, share it with share it with five of the enemies. We're equal opportunity here. And as I said earlier in the show, uh, California Haunts is a nonprofit organization. So we go out, do investigations for free to help people. That's all we want to do is help people and educate them. As you like the show, everything for this show comes out of my pocket. So if you can find it in your heart to help me out, you know, bills are due now. I appreciate it. So you can do that at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, we're also at Venmo. So just type in California Haunts and you can do it that way. And don't forget to check out Meetup. And I'm updating and I'm getting the final stuff on the website tonight for the ghost tour that's going to be on March 26th. Again, uh, hopefully we're in an old hotel or we're going to be at a haunted cemetery. One of the two. So um, so it's going to be a fun event. Fun event for everybody. You get to hang out, meet me. You get to hang out with my investigators, play around with the equipment. Get to see how everything works, how it's done properly when you're out in the field. All right. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming. I'm done. I'm going to shut my mouth. See ya. <laughs>